Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 74 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. You can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365. And you can also follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And if you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365, which is where baseball does live 365 days a year. Every day, people are posting and having conversations about baseball, fantasy baseball. This week and the last few weeks have been real heavy with all the MLB negotiations as they're trying or struggling to find an agreement. And also, there have been conversations about the MLB draft this past week that's gone on. So go check it out if you haven't done so already. On tonight's show, we're going to go over 10 dynasty polls that Andrew has posted in the Facebook group in the last week or so with a special guest, our good friend Lucas Beery, who is part of the Lucas Baseball Podcast, and he writes for a few different sites that we'll ask him about later on. But before I do that, it's been a while since I've made this request, but if you like our show and would like to show us some support, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review rating and or a rating and leave us a review it's the best way you can show us some love if you've done it already we appreciate it if you haven't done it yet and can take a quick moment a couple moments we'd be very appreciative now let's get andrew on and let me start with this question for you andrew the mlb draft was this past week and i know you were much more invested than i was going into the draft for me i only knew Spencer Torkelson. That's the only name I knew. Still only the name, the only name I know. But I know you got, you followed much closer. So now that this draft's come and gone, what's the thing that sticks out to you about this year's draft? Uh, I would say the, the biggest thing is college pitching. Um, last year, I feel like for, for fantasy purposes, at least at the top, it's maybe not quite as strong, even though the draft as a whole is deeper, but, uh, there's tons of pitching. I mean, last year that was one of the weaknesses Mm -hmm. and this year, definitely one of the strengths. I mean, in like first year player drafts, it's maybe a little awkward because I know obviously like you're, you tend to lean towards bats. At least a lot of people do. But it's definitely a year where there will be really good pitchers going well beyond the first round. So if if you're looking to kind of restock pitching um, in your minors, this is probably the year to do it. So um, It's early. Obviously, all of this changes between now and next February when we do first-year player drafts, but... Do you think a pitcher could end up being in your top five rankings by the time we get into the first year player draft ranks or more? Uh, what do you, what do you think? Possibly. Right. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I think that not the top three, but beyond that, I think it's possible. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. I haven't, I haven't dug too deep on them as far as a fantasy because or like from a fantasy perspective, because Going into the draft, I was more thinking along the lines of, you know, I did the mock. I was trying to research who was going to take who. was kind of digging into it more, like, real life-wise. But, uh, yeah, fantasy-wise, I mean, there's obviously a lot of time. We've got, you know, <laughs> yes. nothing nothing but time on our hands right now to, to dig into all that. So we'll get to it. But 
Yeah, the it's possible that there's one that's top five. If not, it, it'll be probably shortly thereafter. And yeah, we have plenty of time before all that, and we will go deep into that over the course of the next eight months at different times. And I think we might even try doing a draft podcast here soon and go over that a little more, which I will be asking questions. I have nothing to add at this <laughs> point. <laughs> Okay, well, let me introduce Lucas, who, as I already stated, is on the Lucas Baseball Podcast, and he writes and does ranks on Casey Bubba's site, Fantasy Sports Degens, which I love the name, by the way. Lucas, first off, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. Really looking forward to talking some Dynasty. It's really the only thing that you can look at these days and kind of picture your team in a few years see what's going to come to be could you imagine even having to write for redraft leagues right now or doing podcast on redraft right now that would be miserable as at this point with what we're dealing with yeah there's a reason that these guys are drafting teams from like the 1920s and doing these like single season redrafts where they have a winner at the end of the draft based on five by five roto yeah and there's a reason people are playing in mlb the show leagues right lucas (laughs) yeah (laughs) that mlb the show league that i've mentioned a couple months back that i joined lucas was in it too and yeah we've been doing that over the course filling time over the course of the last couple months but i got some interview questions for you try to do this for anybody that comes on just a couple simple questions but where do you live lucas yeah so i live in bloomington indiana that's about an hour south of indianapolis indiana uh, it's the home of Indiana University, Big Ten College Town, so that's where I'm at. Okay, that means you're oh, – oh, my gosh, I've forgotten his name. The big Indiana coach from the 80s and 90s. Bob Knight. Bob Knight. means Are you a big Bob Knight fan then? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I respect <laughs> he did, but um, yeah. Do, do you even remember him coaching there? I, I mean, I know you're younger than Andrew and myself. Do you remember when he was the coach there? I don't even remember when he left now, but it's been a while. Yeah, I remember him. Um, he actually got fired in 2000, and it was kind of a big uproar around campus. My grandpa has been season ticket holder for a very long time uh, for IU basketball and football. Mm-hmm. So I've really been ingrained in the program for a long time. So in 2000, I know, let's see, I'm trying to do my math here because I know, I'm guessing you're what, 26 now? Is that right? Am I I close? Yeah, exactly. Ha. So that would put you 20 years ago. Six. You would be six years old whenever that happened. Oh, God, Andrew. Do you feel old right now? I already did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. Lucas, what's your favorite baseball team? Yeah, so uh, here in Indiana, there's a lot of uh, Cardinals or, or Reds, but I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, really. And it's very timely because I was a big Sammy Sosa fan whenever I was really young. Okay. Just because of all the home runs he hit and like the Cubs ever since. Yeah, you were right at that age, like being six years old, probably getting into baseball. And then, yeah, slugging Sammy right at that time was hitting 60 bombs. What did he do that, four years in a row? Is that right? He had about a five-year peak. That's pretty ridiculous. That would that would put him in the Hall of Fame in my mind. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's one Cardinal fan and two Cub fans. This is a terrible idea by myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, fantasy baseball. When did you start playing? And then also throw in dynasty. When did you start playing in your first dynasty league? Also, 
Yeah, so I started playing uh, Fantasy League with a group of guys from church back in 2007. Uh, so so you've been playing 13. Uh, yeah, I've been playing for a long time, but uh, my first Dynasty League was with you guys in the Roto Masters 2 Dynasty. So I've been oh. playing Dynasty entering in the year four, so relatively new, but do have you know a good bit of experience. And how many Dynasty Leagues are you in now? Um, so I actually, I was in, I was planning to do five and then our good friend, John Calvagno from, uh, uh-huh. knows from Sally. And, and now he actually writes with prospects 365. He asked me to join a dynasty league and pairing up with him. I just, I couldn't pass up the chance. So that's my sixth league. They're almost all weekly though. So it's not bad. That's not bad. And you co-own with a couple guys, right? In those six, you've got at least three co-owns, right? Yeah, I co-own with Jake Book, um, John, and Lou Landers. Um, and the others, I just run myself. Okay, that that helps a lot, though. And like you said, Dynasty, weekly leagues definitely makes that more fun. Yeah. Okay, as I stated before, we're going to cover 10 different Dynasty polls Andrew put out there. And Andrew and Lucas are going to give their thoughts on who they would take on these polls. But before we get started, Andrew... How did you come up with the players on these polls? Yeah, so basically what I did was I uh, just took a set of dynasty rankings that I trust. But I mean, it kind of started. I was just like, I want to get something going because all the focus right now is just all negative. Everything is just, you know, the negotiations and everybody talking about that. So I wanted to get some dynasty polls up and I was like, I'm just going to do a series of them. So I went to set of rankings I trust, and I basically just decided I'm going to go kind of round by round, quote unquote, in a 15 team league. So I took guys from the top 15 the first day, and then the next day I did 16 through 30. The next day I did 31 through 45, and on down, and still doing them now. I think today was the 14th one. So we're going to go over the first 10 tonight but pretty much i just tried to do interesting groups of players obviously i didn't don't agree with the list all the way down but just tried to find interesting groups of guys to make interesting polls and discussion was really all it was and it was fun i mean as we get down these i'll mention the the poll results from the facebook group and some of them were incredibly close and then some of them weren't so much it was pretty strong sided for somebody, and we'll go over each one of these. And then after that, I'll ask you guys whether you guys agree or disagree with the members of the group. So, you guys ready to get started with this? Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. We'll start off with the first poll here. And like you said, this is a first rounders, three guys. And we got Fernando Tatis with the Padres against Alex Bregman and Trey Turner. There were 77 total votes in this, and Fernando Tatis won pretty handily with 47 votes, followed by Alex Bregman with 17 and Trey Turner by 13. So Tatis won this by a landslide. I'll start off with the guest. So Lucas, are you in agreement with the group that the votes Tatis, or would you take Bregman or Trey here? Yeah, so this is a really, really, really close one. I think that the margin is razor thin. And obviously, just starting off with Tatis, who did win, that's who I would take. Um, But one of the reasons is uh, the fact that 
you know, if you're only going to get 50 games this season, you basically, or, or maybe even no season, it's kind of a waste. So if you're looking at these guys, you're looking at a 22-year-old uh, Tatis by next year and, a, and actually kind of a sneakily 27-year-old Bregman. So despite his unbelievable plate discipline, where the guy had like almost 30 more walks and strikeouts last year at Bregman, I think I would just go ahead and, and rather prefer the uh, – immense power and speed from Tatis, especially given the five-year age difference. Yeah, it feels like it's a upside versus stability battle here with two young guys, but one of them's five years younger also. So, Andrew, what about you? Who you got from this group? That's yeah, funny. I, I actually traded Bregman for Trey last year in RM2. Oh, so that's right. Kind of, but it was more of a... <laughs> It was more of a needs-based thing. I remember telling the guy I traded with that I'd probably rather have Bregman if if it wasn't just that I needed the steals, you know, that year. But um, for me, I would uh, I, I kind of just look at it like Bregman is probably currently the best hitter of the three. Yep. You know, great dis- great plate discipline uh, isn't going to provide too much in steals really going forward i don't expect him to anyways um trey's kind of the opposite where it's all or a lot steals and less power um but i'm taking tatis too i mean to me it's the like a combination of both i mean i feel like you're gonna get power you're gonna get speed uh i mean you could say that he's not as good of a hitter as the other guys i guess right now but he's also five years younger has all the pedigree in the world I mean, we are talking razor thin, like Lucas said. I mean, it's something where, you know, you're taking them maybe one or two slots ahead of the other guys. But um, I have Trey Turner in Rotomasters, too, and I can tell you right now I'm competing. If I got offered Fernando Tatis Jr. for Trey, I would accept it. So I'm taking Tatis. But, I mean, it is. It's close. I mean, they're obviously all superstars. So. What about, is Trey Turner number three for you both then? Yeah. I didn't really consider him too much, to be honest. And same for you, Andrew? Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not as quick to say it. I I think it really, it, it would kind of depend on my build. I mean, Trey mm-hmm. is just one of those guys, like, I feel like it kind of depends on your construction and, I think that Bregman's going to last longer. Like his skill set is just built mm-hmm. for the long haul. But like in the immediate next couple of years, I mean, Trey is as valuable as anybody. pretty much anybody. So, well, let me put it this way. Let me ask you a slightly different way. You're in the first round of a dynasty startup, and those are your top two guys on the board right there Bregman and Trey. Yeah. Probably, have no, I'd, you, I'd probably take Bregman. I agree. I think that's. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I could see a scenario where you trade Bregman for Trey if you need the skills to get you over the hump. But yeah, it's really close for me. Agreed. And okay. one other thing I just wanted to add about Bregman is, yeah. I mean, we say that he has great plate discipline, but I think unless you've looked at his stats, you don't really realize how good it was. I mean, last year he played 156 games and he had 119 walks to only 83 strikeouts. That's like basically Joey Votto-esque. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's incredible what he's done with over the course (laughs) of his 
four years here. I mean, he started off that first year in 2016, you know, small sample with 24% strikeout rate, and it's dropped every year since down to 12 with a 17, and walks have gone the other direction. It's incredible what he's done. Okay, move on to poll number two here, and we have four young hitters here with Eloy Jimenez versus Austin Meadows against Jordan Alvarez and shortstop Glaber Torres. We had 105 total votes here, and Glaber took almost half of them with 47 to win. Eloy Jimenez was second with 25. Jordan was third with 21, and Austin Meadows had only 12 votes. So, Andrew, you start this one. Who do you have first out of this group? So, I'll start by saying that with this group, like if I was just, you know, making a set of rankings going down the list, these guys are probably all like, I mean, it arguably back to back to back to back like 20 to 25 I would say would be where mm-hmm. I'd have I'd have them off the top of my head and I mean r- slimmest of margins um, I would probably take it's it's like a coin flip for me between Eloy and Jordan um, I think that they're the two just biggest mashers of the group I mean when I when I kind of look at it, it's like with Eloy he mashes. He whips. He whiffs a little bit more than you like. Seventieth uh, percentile sprint speed. So he's actually a lot wow. faster than you would have expected. You know, just if you didn't look. Um, and obviously, I like the the lineup and all that. I don't think too much about it, but it's like a tiebreaker. I mean, you could say that about all these guys, but with Jordan, it's kind of the same thing. But knee, his knees, and the fact he's a DH. It's kind of like those are the question marks, but, I mean, he just exploded onto the scene last year, obviously. With Glaber, and obviously Glaber Glaber won the poll, and Glaber's great. I mean, it's just, with him, I I kind of feel like in a weird way, and it's weird to say it for as young as he is, that he's peaked. Like, the guy hit 38 home runs last year. I mean, I don't really expect that to go up. You know? And it's like, he isn't fast. He His sprint nope. speed is the lowest of these four, ironically. <laughs> 43rd percentile. Wait a minute. You, slower than Jordan? Yeah, Jordan was 50. I know. I looked at all four. So, but either way, I mean, five steals, whatever he chipped in. I mean, I just don't, I'm not expecting steals from him. And I get the, the position. That's the argument for Glaber. It's like second base shortstop. That's that's interesting, you know, depend because there's there's value there for his power in comparison to other guys in the middle infield. So I get that. Um, and then with Meadows, it's just really good across the board. He he's really good, um, and probably will provide the most steals of the four. So, like I said, I mean, it's personal preference to me. I think they're all really close, like pretty much back to back to back. I guess I think that Eloy and Jordan are capable of like. 50 homer seasons like if if you just took peak outcome for those guys i think that that's possible and i don't really see it with the other guys and the rest of it isn't enough to pull me away from that if that makes any sense but yeah i mean like i said they're all really close yeah you swayed my vote there as i was listening to that at the beginning of this i thought yeah i think i'm taking glaber the shortstop 
But, you know, shortstop, everything changes, but shortstop right now is a very deep position, so it's not even that big of an advantage right now because of how many shortstops there are. But as you were talking, and you were talking about Glaber, and I was looking at his Fangraphs page right now, and I was thinking, yeah, this is all really good, but you're, but what you said there at the end, which is Eloy and Jordan have capability of taking those home runs to a different level that Glaber probably can't get to. And I think that's fair. I think I think you just swayed me with that. Yeah, so, like I don't like I just don't see those homers getting really any higher. I mean, I guess he could hit forty, but I mean, if you look at his statcast data too, I mean, it do, it's just not even like all of his hard hit data and his barrel rates and XBA, like everything, pretty much. It's it's no nothing even close to to Eloy and Jordan. So I'm going with them. But like I said, it's, it's razor thin. So Lucas, do you hate Glaber as much as Andrew? (laughs) Far less. I actually, I actually, uh, liked Glaber in this poll, but it's, uh, it's, it's really, really, really close. I just think, uh, I, the reason I picked him was because he is going to stick up the middle, I think. And, either give you one of those middle infield spots. The fact that he gets to hit near the top of a Yankees order is going to provide him a wonderful floor. Yes. He's a really athletic guy. So I just trust him to really stay healthy over the balance of his career versus a guy like Jordan. Jordan probably has a much higher ceiling where he could maybe, you know, he had 400 plus OVP last year in a small, in a small season, but you know, the knee issues at age 22 is a little concerning Eloy is very, man, that power is intoxicating, but um, those are the two guys I would probably have the toughest kind of heat between is Glaber and Eloy. They're really close. Yeah, I think those are my top two. I had a um, Glaber top, and I think I would, after hearing Andrew's spiel, I think Eloy would move to number two or move to the top. Is Austin Meadows fourth on of these four guys to both of you? He is for me, yeah. Lucas, he is he is for me too. But I just love all these guys. Um, yeah, I have them, they're all I did they're them. all awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think I they're all I think they're all like second round picks in a startup. You know, like if I, I'm going if I'm going through and I mean I'm not thinking about every name going down, but I feel like if I'm sitting in the second round. And I get one of these guys. I mean, I'm happy. You know, they're all young mm-hmm. hitters. They're in the major leagues. They're all really good. I mean, yes. that's kind of what you want to like build your team around. So, what I'm saying about Glaber, I know I sound like I'm way down on him. I mean, he hates. Him. He obviously is has for a middle infielder has a ton of power. You know, so. Yep, can't go wrong. Okay, poll number three. We'll move on. We got three interesting names here. These are all, (laughs) this is a fun one. Victor Robles versus Johan Mankata and Javi Baez. And this is the first one that was real close in the votes. Mankata and Javi were very, were neck and neck. Mankata won with 42 votes versus Javi Baez in his 36. And then Victor Robles had 19 votes. Lucas, who would you want of these guys? Yeah, so this is another really close one, of course. Um, but I am taking Yo and Monka. I love the fact that he's really young, and 
uh, he just turned his play discipline upside down last year uh, with the improvements there to the fact that he's still extremely young. I think there could still be even further room to grow. And this is a guy that stole some ridiculous bases in the minor leagues, so I wouldn't necessarily count on that from him, but it could come back as well to an extent where he could actually help your team in the steals totals in a roto league. Okay. What about you, Andrew? Um, I think that for me, it's it's a coin flip between uh, Mancada and Baez. Um, Mancada just keeps raising his barrel percentage, or he did last year, I should say, 9.6 to 12.2%, and his hard hit percentage has gone up every year he's been in the league. Cut his Ks a little bit last year. Um, and his OPS was over 900 in both the first and the second half. I, It's close. I mean, I, I think that there's a part of me that trusts what Baez has done a little bit more. But Mankata's a couple years younger, and... They're close enough. I'd, I'd probably take Mankata, but it's like, again, it's kind of a flip of the coin. Robles, I think the only real argument for him is the steals. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of expressed my um, concern in the past just with, like, he's just not a good hitter yet, you know? Yeah. And I think that, uh, I mean, like, Mankata and Baez, they, cru- they crush the ball, you know? it's Robles just has a lot to work on with that, but um, if he can make strides, I mean, his stolen bases definitely make him fantasy friendly. So yeah. I'd, pro- I'd probably take Mankato over Baez, but it's like razor thin. I-, I could go either way. At this point, I would say Robles, I think, may have the highest upside of the- all three of these guys in this group if it all clicked, but I also think he's the worst hitter at this point too to where yeah i'm he's third for me also the other thing that makes uh mancata kind of interesting is providing the skill set that he provides at third base like just being able to chip in steals and stuff like that because it's just one of those things that it's more like baez who's playing short you know, you're a lot more likely to see that at short than you are at third. And yeah. I mean, if Makata chipped in, he stole 10 last year, but if he chips in like 10 to 15 steals from third base, I mean, you're not getting that from th- any third baseman, really. So, yeah, it's interesting. Good stuff. All right. Well, we'll take a break here and we'll come back and we'll move on to poll number four. Okay, on to poll number four, which is our first pitcher's poll. We have three pitchers here. Steven Strasburg versus Lucas Giolito versus Blake Snell. We had 86 total votes, and Giolito pulled this one off with 38 votes against Strasburg with 27 and Snell with 21. This one was the closest so far when you rank first place to last place. Everyone had a decent amount of votes here. And this is a fun one with two kids who have ace potential. 
One, actually, I think both of them have pitched like an ace once now versus an older ace who's done it year after year. So, Andrew, are you taking Giolito first here like Facebook, or are you going a different route? Yeah, it was funny. When I put this one up, I, I really didn't know how it would go. I was really curious. Um, probably to no one's surprise that knows me, I'm taking Strasburg of this group. Uh, just a few things here. 1,438 and two-thirds career innings pitched. Steven Strasburg, 317 ERA, 109 whip, 10.6 Ks per nine, 2.4 walks per nine, 296 FIP. Um, last year, his swinging strike rate was the highest of his career. His O swing was the highest of his career. It... The thing with Strasburg is it's never, ever been a performance concern, ever. Yep. He's been an ace every time. You know, when he's out there, he's an ace. And it's always just been a matter of how long is he going to be out there. But the thing is, is you really can't say that about Giolito and Snell. I mean, they've had, they've had performance issues, too. So I know Strasburg's the oldest. Um, I tend to care quite a bit less about age, kind of as we've said before, with pitchers, um, especially when I'm confident I know who the better pitcher is. And this just feels like one of those situations to me. I'm just confident Strasburg's the best pitcher. So I want him of these guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're all three really good. So, What say you, Lucas? You with Andrew here or are you going a different route? Yeah, so with Strasburg, he's uh, he's definitely the most proven and the most skilled, even, I would say. Um, but I do really worry about the durability concerns. Mm-hmm. I mean, two, two seasons of 200 innings pitched. And last year, I believe he got up in the 240s with the playoff run. So, you know, he's, he's not as old as some people might think. You're going to have him this year for his entire age 31 season. Next year, he'll be 32. So that's not bad in pitching years, especially for a guy – who has the stuff of Strasburg, uh, but I would actually prefer Giolito um, in in this type of scenario, based on the fact that you can get about seven years younger. And last mm-hmm. year, Giolito over a full season, he really did pile up the strikeouts. I mean, he had an eleven point six K per nine, really limited walks, two point nine walks per nine. He's got the velocity, he's got the workhorse frame. And I think he's just entering into his own right now. Yeah, he um, definitely had a great breakout year last year. But I also think Andrew's got something to that in terms of putting less into age. I, I It's one you can go either way. And I was curious to go back and look at my own dynasty ranks to see who I, who I had at the top because – I, I felt my gut told me I wanted Strasburg most of this group, but I'm like, who did I put at the top of my ranks on this one? And I was happy to see I had Strasburg at the top of that one too. I think I'm taking the talent, even though you're right, as a 31-year-old who just came off of throwing about 245 innings last year, I mean, it could, the wheels could fall off. You never know. But they could also fall off of Snell or Giolito. Do you guys, it's it's I, weird with pitchers. I got a question for you guys. Do you guys – like, do you fully trust Giolito to do that again? No. <laughs> that's I think that's why, I mean, like, that's why I didn't take him. 
honestly. I and it's not it's not that I don't think he can. I def I definitely think he can. And you know, if it was a month or two into the season, I saw he was rolling again. I probably or I you know I could see can see the argument, but like there's a there's still a little bit of me that's like eh, I'd, I'd kind of like to see that again before I put him ahead of Steven Strasburg, you know. But I mean. I don't know. I guess that's just kind of my feeling on it. It's he's definitely made monster strides, and it's not like it was anything that nobody expected. I mean, he was best pitching prospect in the league and all that stuff. But yeah, I just don't know if I fully trust like that to be on display like it was again and again and again. You know, just repeating it. I don't know. You know, go ahead, yeah. Lewis. With Giolito, I mean, it, it's kind of like with Glaber. I, I was kind of wanting to mention this, but, I mean, I'm not expecting 38 homers again. Uh, but I think that you're going to buy, like, 32-plus homers with him. And I think with Giolito, I think he can certainly end up with a 350 ERA and maybe a sub 1-1 whip. And I think the fact that he dominated to the extent that he did with those strikeouts, yeah. uh, to me, you can't really fake that as a starting yeah. like. It's an ace who goes all those innings. Maybe if you pitch like 125 innings, you can put up like a kind of crazy sample size thing. But I mean, with with uh, Giolito, I just trust him to pile up the Ks. And I know that pitching age is is quite overrated at times. But anytime I can get a 25 year old versus someone who's like 31, 32, I would just feel a little bit better about that. You know, because the skills aren't that much more in Strasburg's favor to where he's like a superstar ace necessarily. That's totally fair. And like Andrew said at the beginning, these are guys that are all interesting in terms of where they are and they're not far off in ranks. So, and you're fully validated having any opinion you want on these guys. You don't, um, uh, you don't want, you don't want snow, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, for no, a we were just, just to tell Justin, we were just talking about snow like yeah. yesterday or the day before. And he was just like, Oh, I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> He petrifies me. I mean, his skills are the great. elbow. He's a he's a he's really good when he's on, but for one, I don't trust him to be healthy necessarily with those elbow uh-huh. scares coming off of. I mean, the guy only pitched 107 innings last year, so you know, in theory, he should be fully ready to go after a full winter's worth of rest. Got an elbow scare in like February, March, and then I just think with uh, Tampa, while he's under contract with them, I just I'm not sure if they'll have the confidence and they'll push him to 200 plus innings. I think that they'll, you know, really kind of finesse him down to keep him under 180. And I don't think we'll see his full potential until maybe he sees a second team. Yeah. I mean, he won a Cy Young two years ago and he threw what 180 innings in that Cy Young season. Yeah. What's that tell you about what they want to do with him in terms of protecting the innings. But, um, I, if it wasn't for the elbow part, I'd probably be being on buying Snell. He had a lot of bad luck last year. But moving back to Strasburg and Giolito, Andrew, in our dynasty league, we the three of us playing, you have Strasburg and I have Giolito, so I have an idea. You need to trade Strasburg to Lucas, and then Lucas can trade me Strasburg, <laughs> and I could have Giolito. Or, I'm sorry, and he can have Giolito, and then everybody's happy. Yeah, we'll see. Let's about, work on that. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on to number five here, and it's time for some power bats with Eugenio Suarez. I'm finally learning how to say that without screwing it up every time. Versus Michael Conforto, Joey Gallo, and Anthony Rizzo. 
And this one had 74 total votes with Suarez taking the win on a close one. He had 28 votes versus just only four ahead of Joey Gallo, who had 24. Anthony Rizzo was a distant third with 15, and Michael Conforto was a distant fourth with only seven votes. So, Lucas, who is your choice in this poll? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one, given the fact that there's a big skill set difference in each of these guys, um, as well as age difference, really, in all of them. Um, And I did go with the one that I think has the loudest tool in Gallo's power. I think you can count on him for 45 homers a season, as long as he's healthy. I know that the batting average is going to hurt you, but the fact that he does get the OBP is going to make sure that he gives you those runs scored. And, I mean, you can certainly get lucky like you did last year. Nobody would have ever expected Gallo to hit over 253. I know it was only a half season, but sometimes those funny things happen. Um, But, yeah, I, I I would go with Gallo, even though I love Rizzo as my favorite Cub. You've come around on Gallo, because I remember a couple years ago, and you weren't quite like this with him. I know you were a lot more skeptical, so him doing this for a couple seasons has convinced you at least that he is what he is. Yeah, I mean, the the fact that you can can just strike out more and get away with it, not that big of a deal. And if if you go into a draft or you have your dynasty team structured, ready for him to hit a poor batting average, you can get a LeMahieu or a McNeil, where you combine those two guys' numbers and it's going to look ridiculous. And he's really proven himself, and he's only 25. So he's the youngest of this group, even uh, younger than uh, Conforto. So that's really why I would prioritize Gallo, personally. Okay, Andrew. I know you have a special love for Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. They're basically two of your children. So are you taking one of them two here? Yeah. Definitely one of the two. Probably, I probably lean Gallo slightly just because of the uh, the really loud power, like Lucas stated. Just the, looking at this guy's uh, Statcast data, Fangraphs fan page, it's just so fun. I mean, fifty six percent of the time, he either struck out or walked, <laughs> and. Um, a good percentage of the rest of that is probably home runs. You know, I don't have that exact in front of me, but yeah, I would probably take Gallo. He's a little bit younger. Uh, I do feel like Rizzo is one of the safest guys in the league and uh, really dependable. You kind of know what you're getting there. Um, with Suarez, I think the power's real. I don't know how long I really expect him to keep it up, but, um, he's definitely really good right now. And then Conforto, I, I just never really been a Conforto guy. I think it's mostly just because he isn't providing any speed, and I just don't feel like that the rest of it is loud enough to make me care that much about it. I mean, I think he's just good, you know, just yeah, whatever. But, um, yeah, give me Gallo. I've never been a huge Conforto guy. When he came up, he seemed like he was this great hit tool. Power, we'll see if it comes. And the power came more than I expected, but it, I think it came at a cost because the hit tool isn't near what I think it was going to be or was early in his career. But my follow-up question then, is Rizzo 2 and Suarez 3 then? Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah, but you could argue that, I think. The other thing, okay. another thing with Conforto, like whenever I say stuff like, you know, you know you're not getting steals, so the bat, you just really have 
have to have the hit tool and the power kind of come together. I mean, yep. with Conforto, he's fine, but it's like one of those instances where – and like, don't get me wrong, Michael Conforto is a good major leaguer, but it's like 257, 33 bombs. Year before, 243, 28 bombs. No steals, really. I mean, just a few each year. Year before, 279, 27 bombs. I mean, from an outfielder, that's, I mean, Max it's, just, Kepler. it's just not that it's exciting. Max Kepler. Yeah, it's just not that exciting. And I, there's a lot of guys, and I think pros, I'm thinking of prospects when I say it, but like when you know that you're eliminating the speed right out of the bat, then it's like, okay, well, is he really going to hit for high averages and hit for power? Because Conforto, who's pretty good, mind you, is not, I mean, he's just all right in fantasy to me. You know, there's just nothing that sticks out, especially considering he plays outfield. And there's a lot of guys with various skill sets in the outfield. So, And with Conforto, I will just add in here to, I, I would have him fourth as well in this poll, but all these guys are really quality. And with Conforto, he had a 384 OBP in 2017, where he kind of really broke out. And then the next mm-hmm. is 350 every year, other every every wise since then. But 363 last year, I mean that's really quality. I did actually sell Conforto in a dynasty league that uh, McQuiston and I are in uh, this off season, and uh, pretty happy with what I did there. But I mean he is very safe at least in, in an OBP league. He's going to get you some some you know 30 homers and 90 90 runs potentially. So he's safe, but he's unspectacular. Yeah. yeah, I think he's more valued than he's more name value than actual production at this point. Do you remember what you got yeah. back for him? Put you on the spot. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I got a really nice pitcher, uh, Matt Manning. Um, uh-huh. And I also got, uh, I think, let me just pull it up here. You can go on to the next guy, but uh, Matt okay. Manning, it was a three for one. It was three, like, top, I think, 40 prospects for him. Okay. Well, that's all right. You don't have to look it up. I was curious to know, but it's not one of those that we'll just move on. Uh, poll number six here, and it's time for some young kids on the rise. We got Kyle Tucker with the Astros against Mackenzie Gore, Mike Soroka, and Andrew Vaughn. And this one had 95 total votes. And this one was a landslide with Mackenzie Gore getting 60 of those 95 votes. Andrew Vaughn got 22, Mike Soroka got eight, and Kyle Tucker with only five votes. Andrew, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect against, except for Mackenzie Gore. That's your saying, but he is still a pitching prospect. Are you taking him over the major leaguers and the big ticket hitting prospect here? Yeah, yeah, I'm taking him with this group. I. I actually, when I made the when I made the poll of these four guys, I was just trying to create something that uh, would be fairly competitive. But man, was I wrong on this? Jeez, yeah, you smoked. failed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely thought there would be more. Uh, I thought Vaughn would get more love for sure. I definitely thought that that would be closer. And honestly, if somebody wanted Vaughn more than Gore, I would get it. But yeah, I'm taking Gore. And I've kind of said said previously why. I mean, I just think that I think the probab considering he's a prospect, I think the probability of him being an ace is 
fairly high. I think that he's the best pitching prospect in the last three to five years. And, um, yeah, I just think he has ridiculous upside and he's close to the majors. I mean, he should be up this year or, you know, whenever we resume baseball and, uh, yeah, I mean, Soroka is really solid. I think he's a good two, you know, maybe a three, um, Tucker, it's kind of all up in the air because of how much he's been jerked around and kind of sucks for him. But, uh, I think they're all interesting definitely, but yeah, I'd take Gore. I hadn't thought about the fact that Kyle, uh, about Kyle Tucker, Josh Reddick is under contract and this is the last year of his deal to where that could be interesting this off season. I think Springer's a free agent after this year too, isn't he? I don't know if, do you either of you remember that? He, right I believe he is. Cause I was watching something on sports center where they were saying he, uh, he got held down to start his year. So if he can get a little bit of games in this year, he'd be a, be a free agent this winter and free to go wherever he wants. Yeah, he's a free agent in 2021. So, yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, um, what about you, Lucas? Who do you got in this group? Yeah, so this one really tugged at my heartstrings because I do have some dynasty shares of Soroka and Vaughn, but I think I would definitely shoot for the upside of Gore because if it does hit, obviously you're looking at uh, a premium trade trip that every single team in the league would be begging you for. And you know, if any pitching prospect looks like he's going to work at, I would say it'd be Gore. Mm-hmm. He's sexy. I got to see him pitch. I was telling, I mentioned this a couple months ago, but I actually got to see him pitch in Springfield, double a Springfield last year. And it was fun to watch him. He's going to be a lot of fun. Just please stay healthy. It ton of upside there. Okay, well, we'll move on to poll number seven here, and this is a fun one for me. We got Andrew Benatendi against Jorge Soler straight up, and there were 76 total votes, and Benatendi won with 47 versus 29 for Soler. And I say that, these are two players whose stocks are going in opposite directions. Benatendi was at one time viewed as the top fantasy prospect in baseball. I think he was going into the 2017 season. But he's been a pretty he's been a letdown for the last couple of years. Meanwhile, Soler had the big breakout 2019 season after scuffling for quite a few years, and he launched a royal he launched a Royals record 48 bombs last year. So Lucas, you can start here. Who you got of these two? Yeah. So following the theme of every one of the polls uh, previously, this was a really close one. And even though I do think that Solaire has a good opportunity uh, to provide a lot of punch for the next handful of years with Kansas City, I would rather have Ben Intendi for the all-around skill set, even though I'm generally a non-believer, just because his sprint speed has dissipated uh, from kind of 2016 range. He was around 92 percentile sprint speed, and now he's closer to like 50 percentile based on the fact that he's bulked up and, you know, gotten to his mid-20s, thickened up a little bit. And I just think that Benintendi, his best skill being the on-base percentage, he's going to hit you with an above 350 on base most years. He's going to hopefully give you above 10 to 12-plus steals. And 
even though he is a lefty in Fenway Park, you know, it's going to be hard to see gaudy home run numbers, but I think he'll be able to provide a lot of runs and across the board talent. I just feel a little bit safer and I think he has more trade value than Solaire. Okay, Andrew. So what do you think on this, on these two guys? Lucas takes Ben Attendee. You agree with him or are you going Solaire? So I'll just say that I thought this was the closest poll of all of them. Just for me. Uh, and it's actually the reason it was the only one that I did just two guys because I was kind of looking at the, the options and I was like, man, I don't know what I would do here. Comparing 2018 Benintendi to 2019 Solaire is actually pretty interesting. I mean, obviously they do different things, but Benintendi had a really good year 2018 and obviously Solaire did in 2019. Um, I think it just it really comes down to if the next version of Benintendi is closer to 2018 or 2019. That kind of gives you your answer. Um, Solaire last year had elite stat cast data across the board. Barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, exit velocity were all top 5%. And um, had expected batting average of 277, 75th percentile. So all really good stuff there from him. Um, can he sustain that for another year? Will Benintendi bounce back some? I mean, there's a lot of question marks. A lot of uh, Benintendi's stat cast data is very average, just pretty blah, you know, at least last, from last season. So I think for me, uh, in a very, very close call, I'm going to go with Benintendi. But uh, it's really because I've all I've just always liked Benintendi. I've always had uh, I've always felt like I was higher than the field on him, even even back when you know he was more highly regarded than he is now. I'm definitely down on him in comparison to that. But um, I think I just trust the hitter to rebound a little bit more than maybe most would, but. I don't know. I, I do think it's really close because Solaire has a ton of power. He hits the ball a lot harder right now. Um, probably always will. So it's uh, it's it's a very it's a very close call for me. Yeah, this is a fun one here. One that went. I mean, it went pretty strong. Been attendee, but I honestly, if you had me guessing going in, I would have guessed it would have went Solaire, and I went and looked at my own dynasty ranks. Because I was curious to know where I had them, and I have been attendee above them. I, I didn't have Solaire on the list, but I think that was an accident. I think I just missed him because I don't I don't think I would have had him outside my top hundred. So yeah, good one there. Okay, well let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll move on to poll number eight. Okay, poll number eight here. We have three guys up, and it is Oscar Mercado versus Jeff McNeil versus Max Kepler with 85 total votes. And this was the closest poll of them all when you talk about first and second place. Jeff McNeil had 36 votes, and Max Kepler had 35. So McNeil barely slips ahead on this one with Mercado a distant third with 14 votes. Andrew, 
who do you want most on this list? And do you think that McNeil and Kepler are this close and that there's a decent gap between them and Mercado? Yeah, I, def- I definitely have Mercado third. Um, I would take pretty sure I would take McNeil mostly, really mostly as funny as it sounds, just the position eligibility. I don't typically favor that stuff, but uh, being able to kind of slot him anywhere in when it's two guys that I can't really make up my mind anyways. I mean, it's a little bit of a tiebreaker for me, at least right now. I think he's kind of the most unique of the three. Uh, Kepler is right there, though. I mean, is He's been raising his launch angle every year and his hard hit rate every year, which is a great combination, obviously. Um, 36 home runs last year, I believe it was. So, yeah, those guys are close. Mercado, I'd have third just because I don't think he's a very good hitter. I mean, he's been well, he was well above or well below league average in uh, hard hit rate and X slug. So, and he just doesn't walk. I mean, 5.8% walk rate. I don't know. He doesn't really interest me that much other than when he can get on base and use his wheels, but not walking much. It's like you're relying on the bat and I just don't, I don't know. I just don't really trust his bat that much. So I'll take the other two guys, either one of them really, I'd, I'd probably lean McNeil, but it's fairly close. It's interesting. Cause last summer after Mercado came up that first month, he was a white hot name in dynasty value. Seemed like that would have been probably the best time to trade for him, trade him. And I think he moved twice in one of my leagues last summer. I acquired him and then traded him a week later because I got a hot offer for him. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, same two questions. And just to repeat, do you, do you think McNeil and Kepler are this close? And is there a decent gap between them and Mercado like the votes here? Yeah, so similar to Andrew, I'm, I'm really not that sold on Mercado. I know that... If you're desperate for steals, um, he does make some sense. But as far as a hitter, I don't, I don't really trust him that much moving forward. He just doesn't really impact the ball that much. He doesn't walk much. He doesn't really drive the ball uh, as much as a lot of other guys drafted around pick 100, kind of where he's going. Um, and as far as McNeil, the, uh, the multi-position eligibility is amazing. Uh, but the fact that he's a contact maestro is incredible. And his on-base percentage last year, uh, 384 and 381 in his rookie year as well, I mean, is incredible, but he also hits around 320 batting average as well. So that's going to separate him from from Kepler, I think, a lot, who's more of a 250, 240 batting average guy. Kepler's going to hit you more homers because that's what he plans to do, but McNeil's going to spray the ball all, all over the field and uh, McNeil's one of these guys where he had most of his homers come in the second half, so I'm not really sure what to make of that. I think he's more of a high teens to low 20s homer guy, but I just feel really good locking that in with a really great batting average too versus Kepler who's going to drag you down there. Yeah, you know, the batting average is fluky, obviously, but it's also you can – with a 13% strikeout rate and a 12% uh, a 12.1% in his brief career here now in the major leagues you know you're going to have a pretty strong BABIP unless there's just some horrible luck and that's just one that's a lot harder to find 
than power at this stage. To where I agree with you guys. I'd be going McNeil on that. McNeil, McNeil for his career in 196 major league games so far, he has a 321 batting average. <laughs> I mean, like, I know that there's people out there that aren't really fans of him, and I kind of get it. I mean, he doesn't hit the ball really hard, stuff like that. There's there's things you can poke at. You know, he doesn't walk a lot, but um, he has a skill set in – you know, just a standard five by five with batting average that is somewhat unique. I mean, like I said, you can play him everywhere. There's power up and down the draft. I mean, if you're looking at the guys that don't run a lot, and I'm not necessarily saying Kepler, I'm just saying in general, but don't run a lot and don't hit for really high average, but they just hit for a ton of power. I mean, there's plenty of those guys. There's more of those guys that exist in the league than any other kind. But like the type of guy that McNeil is, I just, I feel like it's um, it's just more rare. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that do that. And, yeah, batting average is fluky, but a down year for McNeil, he's probably still hitting, like, 280, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. Yes. Sir. One other thing I wanted to mention about McNeil is if you look at his uh, full season numbers from last year, from the beginning of the year until June 8th, the guy only hit two home runs. And, of course, as you know, he ended last year with 23 homers. So from June 8th on until the end of the year, the guy slugged 21 bombs over only 82 games. Obviously, that's a 42 home run pace over a full season. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what happened. Nope, nope, nope. Just, You're predicting 40 home runs next year. Or this next year. It's true. I got it. Our, writing it down. Yep. But it's gonna be, him, him and Pete Alonso will be fighting for the home run crown in, <laughs> in New York. <laughs> that that kind of uh, distribution of power, it does make me wonder what's going on with this guy. Um, and, and while I don't necessarily even pencil him in for 20-plus homers over a full season, I think if he can hit you like 17, 18, 19 homers with a 310-plus batting average, I think he's well worth his price uh, after pick 75 and sometimes even after pick 90 in drafts this season. I will add one thing. What if they change that ball and this guy goes from being a 23 home run guy going back down to like a 10 home run guy? That is something that you at least have to think about a little bit. I'm not saying it's a definitive thing that'll happen. He could, he could have made some adjustment to a swing to hit more, get more of a launch angle and, Maybe he hit, still hits 15 to 20. I don't know. It's one of those things you don't know, and it's hard to predict that when we don't even know what's going to happen to the ball. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I did hear I did hear a very well-respected guy in the industry say that he thinks that if – I actually forget who it was. Um, I think I know, but I don't want to say for sure because I don't know for sure. But that if, he thinks that if uh, – McNeil takes a small uptick in power. He he's basically Anthony Rendon, and I'm sitting here looking at their lines next to each other, and it's not as far off as you would think. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think he's quite that, but I mean, Anthony Rendon's WRC plus last year and basically an MVP season are close enough. Was 154. McNeil's was 143. K rates are the exact same, 
And, you know, Rendon walks a little bit more. That's kind of the difference. But batting averages were the same just and a little more power, obviously. But we're also talking about one of the best players in the league. So, And, and with, with McNeil, one thing I want to point out that I did notice a lot with um, uh, Whit Merrifield is that he's a tremendous doubles hitter, which does nothing for you outside of points leagues. But that shows me that he's a, a really fine hitter that drives the ball into the deep parts of the of the park and and i think he's a legit batter 38 doubles last year and only 133 games so i just don't necessarily think that the homers are going to shrivel up on this guy that's definitely a good counter to that okay well let's move on to poll number nine here and we have six prospects who have yet to make their major league debut uh nate pearson pitcher for the blue jays organization Vidal Brujan with Tampa, Drew Waters with Atlanta, Matt Manning, pitcher for the Tigers, Alex Kirloff with the Twins, and Forrest Whitley with the Astros. This one had 89 total votes and pretty decent distance for the winner, which was Alex Kirloff, who had 36 votes. Nate Pearson and Matt Manning Manning both had 17 Forrest Whitley, surprisingly, was third on that list amongst pitchers with 11, with Bruhan with six votes and Drew Waters with just two. Lucas, I'll start with you here. I know you were a big Kirloff fan a few years ago. Been a while since you and I have discussed him. He won the poll. Would you agree he's the top spot here? Yeah, I did actually vote for Kirloff. Um, I know that last year he disappointed a lot of people that depended on him in fantasy, including myself, but I think it was mostly a wrist issue that was resolved. Uh, He only hit nine homers over about 94 games in double A last year, but once the playoffs started, he hit four home runs in five games, which to me, that just shows me that he's ready. He's healthy and he's going to (laughs) hit. In addition to the the great hit tool that he possesses, um, he can hit a little bit of power. So, I think he's going to be a really reliable prospect that is going to hit most years. And I think he has a a high floor or a high, high floor as well, but a really high ceiling uh, in that Minnesota lineup. Uh, Maybe if they happen to lose Nelson Cruz anytime soon or uh, have a spot for him, I think he'll, he'll come up and produce some really good stats for your fantasy team. I wonder if the twins have any openings in terms of free agency at the end of this year. I can't remember. Remember, Nelson Cruz, I think, signed a two-year deal, so he could be on the outs. But it'll be interesting to see if they have an opening for him by the beginning of next season. Andrew, who are you taking here? I'm taking Kirilov, too, yeah. Uh, Best, I think he's the best hitter of, I know that's three hitters, three pitchers, but of the three hitters, I think he's the best hitter of the three. I think he's going to hit, hit for power. Uh, the pitchers, I was, I was surprised to see Whitley get less than Manning. I was, that was really surprising to me me, actually. Um, because I think said before, I think Whitley has as high of upside of any minor leaguer or minor league pitcher besides Gore. Uh, I like him a little bit more long-term and Pearson. I like a little bit more the next couple of years. I think Bruhan is one where if you could just guarantee me that he would play every day in the majors, I mean, you could argue him pretty strong, I think too, but that's, 
I think that there's a little bit of risk in that with him. So just gives me a little pause, but I think he's going to be really valuable in fantasy because of his speed, as long as he's playing every day. And in Tampa, it's just, it's hard to say, but uh, yeah, just a few of my thoughts on some of those guys, but uh, Kirilov for me, I just think he's the best hitter and long-term I want the best hitter. I don't necessarily think that he has the highest ceiling of these guys, but I definitely feel like he's the safest and it's not like there's somebody else that's jumping out with a much higher ceiling. So give me him. Yeah. The risk thing that Lucas was saying, I do think that, yeah, that was getting put behind him there. He was finally getting right there at the very end of the season, um, minor league playoff time. But Lucas, Andrew and I have talked prospects on the just the last two episodes, but who would you have number two on this list? I would shoot for the moon at Forrest Whitley. I think he's got the most raw tools um, of all the other pitchers, including Manning and Pearson. And I really trust the organization, too, of Houston to develop him. Um, I just think that this is a guy that has several plus pitches and he just really hasn't had a normal development time where he can just come in and make his starts um, and get onto a regular timeline. But, and I know a lot of other people have said that he's a bit like glass now where he could come up and be really up and down, have some amazing starts, but really let you down too. But I think it's very, it's really what you're looking at with this guy. And I think it's one of these things where if you're patient with Whitley, I think you'll be rewarded where I see an extremely high upside with Forrest Whitley. If yeah. you can uh, kind of sit through where he's getting things figured out. Two years ago, Andrew was making the comp in terms of Whitley. He was predicting that he would come up and struggle like Glasnow did uh-huh. early in his career. And just like Glasnow, he's got that kind of upside to where he could be an ace, just like Glasnow has it, and started to untap it a little bit last year. Uh, last question on this group would any either of you guys have Bruhan against over or Waters over any of these three pitchers? Uh, I would have. I think I would go. Kirilov, Whitley, Pearson, and then um, I think I'd have Waters and Bruhan ahead of Manning, but it's it's close. Okay. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. I agree that it's real close. What about you, Lucas? Man, this is a close one. Um, I would have uh, Kirilov and Whitley as my clear top two. And then I think I would have uh, – I would actually have Manning ahead of Pearson um, just because I, I think Manning has a little bit more lasting value. I just con- – I'm concerned about Pearson's velocity. I think it could certainly lead to a big injury. And AL East is, is very concerning as well versus – you know, AL Central in a in a pitcher's park of Detroit, um, and then I think I think I think I'd rather have Waters because I would rather uh, have him as a bet of a full time player than Bruhan. Even though Bruhan has a higher ceiling, I just think Waters is going to be more of a full timer with that defense in Atlanta if they let Ozuna go to another team. Good stuff. See the the real quick the thing that I can't the reason I can't shake Pearson right now is because I think. From whenever we restart baseball, I think that three months, like three to four months from that point, I think Pearson's the best guy on this list. 
mm-hmm. because the rest of them are the rest of them are in the minors, and I expect him to be in the major leagues dominating. So that's why I can't just get too far off of it. But I agree about like the velocity concerns more. It's more down the line for me than it is right away. But oh, I agree. yeah. The more I think about it, the more I think right now I may rather have Pearson over Whitley in a dynasty league. Just because of the fact of that right there, I think he'll come up. He'll be up the the when we have baseball again. He's up, unless there's no season this year. See if I'm if normal, I'm rebuilding, maybe. and I think it's like a year or two. I think I want Whitley, but if I'm like Agreed. in it right now and it like I can trade Whitley for Pearson, I might do it. Yeah, because Pearson is giving you something sooner, and if he gets hot, you may be able to flip him and get something yeah. really nice here in about a month into the when baseball begins. Yeah, I have the NFC ADP pulled up. And, I mean, just based on um, May 1st on, Pearson's going as the 322nd player off the board, which doesn't seem like that high, but he's going right after McKay um, as well as, you know, a couple of other big-time guys such as McKenzie Gore and McKay. So, I mean, people believe in him from the redraft community as well. Andrew was early on that. Yeah, he was. You were definitely the one that first one I was hearing talking about that this winter. Okay. Last poll for today. Poll number 10. We got four young arms with upside. Michael Kopech versus Julio Urias versus AJ Puck versus my boy, Max Freed. And this one brought 97 total votes. And the winner was Michael Kopech with 45 votes Julio Urias not too far behind with 34 votes and then Max Fried with 12 versus AJ Puck with six so Andrew I think all four of these guys have very high upside but so who are you taking from this group uh I'm taking Julio Urias uh fairly I don't know fairly comfortably I think uh I just think he's an elite talent in an elite organization. He's only 23. It feels like he should be older because we've been hearing his name for so long. (laughs) Um, Obviously NL pitchers park, cozy division, like a few, few pitchers parks in that division. Dodgers pitchers just they're. I mean, let's be honest. They're generally successful. I mean, all the guys that they have pitch it through their rotation. They're all, pretty successful i mean even the ones that are in and out of the rotation like ross stripling and this guy has way more talent than that uh last year in 79 and two-thirds innings i realize it's a small sample these are his stat cast percentiles exit velocity obviously exit velocity against 100 percent hard hit percentage 100 percent expected slugging percentage 94th percentile Fastball spin, 94th percentile. XERA, 93rd percentile. Barrel percentage, 93rd percentile. XWOBA, 90th percentile. XBA, 87th percentile. Basically what I'm saying is you look up and down the page, it's all red. He's a stud. I mean, it really, it's it's all workload, but it's like I look at it with, and it's Kopech, it's the same way. You know, Kopech's all workload too. Puck is all workload too. And I like Freed, but... I don't necessarily think he has quite the high-end ceiling of those guys. So, 
little bit of reliever risk with Puck. I do think Puck's really nasty. Any of these guys could probably be the best, but I think Urias is just the best combination of kind of all of that stuff that I'm looking for. So I'd take him. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm the biggest Freed guy, I think. I'm I'm really high on Freed, but I still think his upside compared to the other three is definitely the lowest. Okay, Lucas, who you got in this group? Man, I hate to agree so much on a podcast, but Urias is just a superstar and waiting for me with the Dodgers. I mean, it's going to be the easiest situation for him to be a, a beast. His velocity isn't that much further away from Kopech, even though he's a left-handed pitcher. And, I mean, his stats so far, they just show that he's going to be amazing. He's got like a 97-mile-an-hour fastball from the left side, and really all he's got to do is put together like about five to six innings, and he's going to rack up a lot of wins versus Kopech. I have some Kopech shares, and I just think that there's a lot of concern there with the fact that he hasn't really demonstrated a big workload in, in quite a few years, and despite the fact that he has the fastball, I just don't know what the other roadmap is as far as other pitches for him to dominate with. Is um, just easy uh, Urias for me in this poll, and even though Kopech's really enticing from a talent perspective, I just think Urias is far more projectable at this point. I think that, I will say, I think that Urias per inning is literally an ace. Yep. Like, I think that the only real question you have is just how many innings does he ultimately go? I think in a season like this, if if it's like, say, a 50-game season, I could see him having like four inning outings and not even qualifying for the win potentially because they'll probably just keep babying him. But uh, man, I just, I'm, I'm just confident that it's kind of like what we've said. I know we've said with Lazardo is similar, but um, I'm just confident with Urias that when he pitches, he's going to be awesome. Like I'm just, and it just really comes down to how much of it do you get? So that's something over the next couple of years. I mean, you just hope that he can continue to improve, prove his health and kind of get to that point where, you know, he's pitching a lot of innings. But, I mean, I will admit that that is a little bit of a question mark with him, or you could say a big question mark, because he hasn't really proven it yet, but he's still young. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot to like with him. Man, he's good. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there with you, Rias. It's it's really impossible to look at his stats and come away with much of anything because he was in the bullpen last year. So yeah, that just it's hard to really come away with anything. He's younger than Kopech. He's he's much younger than Freed, and and he's he's quite a bit younger than Puck. And he's already proven more than all those guys on a big league level. And he's in the best pitching. Uh, organization in the entire big leagues. I'm going with Urias. And there's something to that. There is a lot to that. I mean, there's a reason why a guy like David Price has jumped up like damn near 100 picks. Every guy. Every Every, person on their team is great. Yeah, every Dodger pitcher. Like, it doesn't – it's just everybody that steps into that rotation has worked out over the last few years, and he's more talented than most of them. Other than – 
Kershaw and Bueller. I mean, who's more talented than him that they've had, you know? No. And they I mean, who's the last Dodger pitcher that hasn't worked out? I mean, I guess you could say Price, but he just going there. I'm just saying that. Yeah, it's just been a while. I mean, his career right now, just as it sits, as he's 23, he's thrown 184 innings. So, that's roughly a full season. 187 Ks, 318 <laughs> 318 ERA. And a 128 whip, which is a little high, but Jeez. the whip is high because of the walks. The early on, you know, that was like three years ago, four years ago. So, but yeah, I just, I just think that uh, sky's the limit, and I do he think shows- it's very, it's very high with Kopech too. I mean, I won't be shocked if Kopech kind of hits the ground running too. But and to like kind of show you, to show you what Urias does with his talent, I remember about four years ago. Um, with Urias, I remember he made his debut. It was on ESPN. They showed all of the pitchers that made their debut at age uh, at the at the teenage years. Uh, the three guys that made their debut in the teenage years was one Julio Urias, two King Felix Hernandez, and the other guy was uh, Gooden from the Mets. So. He's in special territory as far as where this guy is as a pitcher, making his debut as a 19-year-old. Yeah, I want to say, I think I was at, um, I'm looking right now, actually. Yeah, I was at Julio Urias' second career start. I was at the game. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. It was at Wrigley. It was at, Wrig- <laughs> it was at Wrigley, and, and the Cubs bombed it. So, it was great, but... That was 2016, huh? Yeah, that was 2016. Yeah, he June. made a lot of starts that year. He made 15 starts. Yeah, it was June of uh, June of 2016. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, let's take a break here, and we'll close this thing out. Well, I'll tell you what, a time like right now where we're not having much baseball going on, we don't have any baseball going on, and doesn't. who knows if we'll even have baseball this year, this was a, lot, a nice little distraction and a nice way to talk some baseball. Good call, Andrew, on doing something like this. Yeah, just been trying to, just been trying to... Get some get some conversations going, you know. So you guys fun. didn't even get me started on Puck, and I'm I'm one of the biggest Puck fans. Andrew knows this well, but I mean, Justin, I know you might be a Puck fan as well, but this guy could be a hater instantaneously for yep. a 50 game season. You know what I mean? And and if he's not, yep. like I've said to Andrew, they get they're gonna want a starter out of him, so they're gonna spend at least two to three years trying to start him, and he's six foot seven. He's a little bit like Randy Johnson with that 97-mile-an-hour fastball, 270-grade pitches with an elite heater and the slider. I I love Puck, but that just goes to show you how good Urias and, and Kopech are. Yeah, that's a good point. Puck's, uh, yeah, he's got, he may have the highest upside of everybody on this group just because of the what he carries with him. It's at least debatable. Okay, well, Lucas, thank you for joining us, and 
thank you for being a part of this. You were a great addition, and you being on meant I'd had to talk less, which I loved. So thank you for coming on, man. And why don't you give, uh, why don't I take a moment and plug some of your stuff? What what you are putting out there in the in between online and in podcasts? Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun talking some dynasty uh, bats and arms. Um, feel free to go ahead and, and follow my work. Mostly tweeted out at my Twitter at beeryplocks33. Um, you can find uh, quite a bit of fantasy baseball writing there once it's ready to go. It's been a little while since I've had any articles out, but I uh, did recently publish a, a dynasty top 150 Um and oh you just had to up my 100 didn't you i just felt like 150 <laughs> felt like a good start so you know i think i think yeah it's fair it's I 10 think rounds Lucas has came out before yours justin no sh- no the, the let's not talk <laughs> about stuff like that let's just talk about him in person you trying to one up <laughs> i just couldn't pick 100 guys man i had to pick tommy i had to throw tommy edmund in there somewhere you know what i mean <laughs> Now you got me wondering. I know Tommy Edmond was right there. No, he wasn't even on my list. And you stole him from me in Fab. I'll never forgive you. That was just. Oh, I knew that was. I coming. can't. I, I'm not going to cuss or anything, but man, you you bought him for like five dollars, and I I saved 13. I saved the bid for 150 bucks, and I didn't save somehow. I'll never go over that. I think we actually talked about this on this podcast. If not, I heard you talk about it on yours. One of the two. I messaged you as well the next day. I was like, dude, I have that dude in there. And the funny thing is, is that I have the receipts to prove it because I bought him in like three other dynasties. Hey, he can be yours. You just send me that shortstop you got on that team and we'll call it a fair (laughs) Maybe Rogers, if that's cool with you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on, Lucas. It was a good time. A lot of good discussion. A lot of good yeah, discussion man. here. So, absolutely. Yeah, and we're gonna keep doing stuff like this. We're gonna get some. Andrew's still making some of these. We'll probably do some polls soon. We might get some draft talk. We'll try to find some distractions, some things to talk about right now because we sure don't talk have games to talk about yet. But maybe, maybe. What do you guys? What we'll do you guys see. think here? Put you on the spot percent chance that there is any games this year lucas you go first oh after today uh i've been relatively optimistic this it felt it felt like it dropped today didn't it it did i, was I mean with- whether it did or not it felt like it but go ahead yeah we're recording this on monday night i don't i we might get it out tonight might get this podcast out tomorrow but this is the day that manfred said yeah, he's not so sure, sure we're going to have baseball today or this year. Well, I mean, these owners are going to make some serious cash off of a playoff scenario, I would imagine. So I'd give it about a 50%, 60% chance that we get at least 50 games, maybe 48 games. Um, you do a coin flip on that, and I would say about a 50% chance that we get like a 50-game season with an extended playoffs with 10 teams plus. What do you think? What do you think, You're- Justin? 65 was the number I heard or what I was thinking before Lucas said it. So we're in the same ballpark. You know, going back to what Manfred said over the weekend, we're going to have baseball. I'm 100% certain to what he said today. I believe this is completely a ploy that the owners put him up to saying that today 
because they're trying to make the players bluff. And I don't think it's going to work. And the owners are going to cave because they can't, there's just too much money in those playoffs, what they're getting from Turner, TNT, CBS, whatever it is. And the TV deals that I just think that they're going to have to cave. And I believe they will. So I'm going to say 65 and I'm, I might, that might be too low for me to be honest. Andrew, what about you? Uh, I'm going to say, I think it's lower than you guys. I, I, well, I th- I think it's close to 50. Yeah, I think it's close to 50%. I I tell you, my my biggest thing that I've been saying this whole time, I don't well, one of the things I guess, but I just I just don't get how like I know they want the money, the playoffs and all that, but it's like how you going to how you crown a world champ in this in all this? Oh, 40 God, 40 like 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 I'll just tell you this. Guy I work with, okay, huge White Sox fan. So obviously we have our differences there. But he was telling me today, he's like, I don't even care if the White Sox win it this year. Why? Because all anybody is going to do forever is be like, oh, well, yeah, they won in the 40-game season or 50-game season. And it's not going to carry any weight. Like, think about looking back on, I mean, how do you crown a world champion? It's it's the biggest asterisk you can have, I mean, to me, it's just as big of an asterisk as what the Astros did in certain ways. I mean, obviously in different ways, but I mean, I just don't get how you do that. I was saying the other day, joke, and I, I hope the Orioles win it because I feel like in a short season, anything can happen. And it's like, no one's even talking about that, but I don't know. I'm not, I'll never say I don't want baseball, but it's just, I don't get how you crown a champ. I just don't get it. I'll say this, October, uh, there's some truth to what you're saying, and I do think that, yes, this season will not carry as much weight as the other seasons do. But on the same note, every October, it feels like a crapshoot once you get in. That's one of the things we say. There's going to be more teams getting in this well, yeah. year, and it's not. It's easier to get in because it's a sprint instead of a race. But on the same note, once I, I think once it gets October, I think – I, it's a crapshoot, and I just think that I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna give it a lot of credence, and I would still care a lot if if about uh, if the Cardinals were in it, I would still feel just as good about it as they wanted as if they did, or pretty close to, I should say. Yeah, I guess. Year. I mean, October, or you know, whatever month it is that they actually have the playoffs, is yeah, yeah maybe November. Is, uh, I get that that's always a crapshoot, but the teams that get in is. Yes. And this year, yes. I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say, like, you might see a team like the Royals or some, some weird team, not necessarily the Royals, but some weird team that would never have had a chance get in the playoffs. And to some people, that's fun and whatever. But, I mean, I do – part of me is like, and just to stick it to them, one of those teams need, should just win the win the whole thing, you know. To like, well, let's put it like this. This is why this is why we don't play fifty game baseball seasons. This right here, you know, well, because Boston yep. would have had a top ten pick if you would have right. been a fifty game thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's just, it, yes. it, it, it's that not proves a your point. Sample. That yeah. proves your point. Yep. So 
it's it's ridiculous that you don't need you need a lot more games to figure out who's going to go to the playoffs. But yeah, at, at the same time, if if the playoff series are like best of three, it's a little wonky. But if it's best of five and then you do best of seven after the first round, that feels a little bit more legitimate. Which I think they'll try to do if they do get a season. But whether they get a season or not is a huge if. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's close yep. to fifty-fifty. I just do. I just think that when it's all said and done, if they play a fifty-game season and they have a playoff, I think that the winning team at the end of all of this, the team that wins it all, won't be looked at in the same way as they are every other year. They but will not. We'll see. I mean, yep. I could be wrong. I just, I just don't see how they are. Yep. Okay. Well, good stuff. Thank you again, Lucas, yeah, for thanks, coming Lucas. on. And good yeah, time. Man. And we'll be back soon, and we'll try to get you back on because that was a lot of great talk, and I really enjoyed having another guest on. But until then, take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.